everybody? We back for another episode of the regular podcast. It's your host Kilo and Lucy, mm-hmm. and we back for the next episode. Whatever last episode number was, this is the one after that. So, actually, my numbers are definitely off. I skipped two numbers. I, st- I skipped like number thirty-five, and I skipped another number in there somewhere. So, the numbers are definitely off. Now. Lucy, you got any updates since last time we did a podcast, which was the week before Thanksgiving? No, I had a great Thanksgiving and was able to spend time with my family. And I had a good time. How was your Thanksgiving holiday? It was cool. That's it? Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So, Hmm. wow. today is December 4th. H to the Izzo mm-hmm. is turning 50 today. Mm-hmm. He arrived on the day Fred Hampton died. Mm-hmm. Real in words, just multiply. Yeah. Jay-Z's birthday. So I wanted to say, hey, a lot of people rank Jay-Z's albums, but I mean, that's that's easy, kind of. Yeah, I guess. It's a lot really easier fun. than, because most people agree on at least the top four or five-ish. Mm-hmm. Either whatever order they in, I mean... That's different, but the top five people pretty much agree on. What about the top five songs of Jay-Z's career? Why five? Mm-hmm. Five? Because, I yeah, mean... Yeah, five was hard. You should have did at least ten. Five is easy for me. I, oh, no. Ten? I mean, I mean, if you do ten, you'd be like, dang, he, he got so many, we should do twenty. But five was, oh, was hard. Twenty? Like, he got I'm, so many, we should do a hundred. Like, I'm so saying. You just got to make a cutoff somewhere. Well, Okay. So, What's your five? It's my five. Okay. So I made like two lists, but I'm just going to go with the last list. <laughs> so number five was Song Cry. Number four was Feeling It. Well, Song Cry is off of what? Blue, was that Blueprint? Yeah. Okay. Song Cry off of Blueprint. Feeling It off of Reasonable Doubt. Mm-hmm. I got You Don't Know the Remix, not You Don't Know. Because mm-hmm. you don't know was on Blueprint. But I got you, you Don't Know the Remix, which was on the Blueprint 2. The Gift and the Curse with M.O.P. I love that remix. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, my second song is Anything. Mm-hmm. And that was on Hard, I think that was Hard Night Volume Life. 2. Volume 2, yes. And my number one song, was is very commercial, but this is when I like, I just love this song. I used to love this song when I was young. It's Hard Knock Life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was a hard knock life. Uh, was that volume two? Yeah. yeah. It's called, yeah. Volume two. Um, so that's my five. Cool, cool. I mean, it's nothing really to b- debate. It's so many songs. I mean, everybody going to have their own. Yeah, what you got? Their own list. Uh, my number five song is Point Out the Bounce. <coughs> I love that song. That's on Blueprint 2. That is Just Blaze produced. Featuring Kanye West, mm-hmm. I mean, he got he got a thing in there, man. That you know, see, this is this is a lot of people look at rappers, and this is the thing. Jay Z been putting medicine, I mean, candy in the medicine his whole career, but I think it was starting to get to him. <coughs> Some of the stuff that people say about rappers, they lump them all in together, like mm-hmm. all y'all rappers care about X Y Z. So he said in his joint, and I just feel like quoting it because I love this song. For those that think whole thing is bling blinging, either either haven't heard the album or they don't know English, they only know what the single is and single that out to be the meaning of what he is about. And being I'm about my business, not mingling much, running my mouth, that shit kept lingering. No dummy, that's the shit I'm sprinkling. The album with to keep the registers ringing. In real life, I'm much more distinguished. I'm like a bloke from London, England. So what he's telling you is, I just do that because I need to make money. For real, I put the real substance and everything inside the album. He said either they haven't heard the album or they don't know English. Because, you know, people around the world, they see a black man, they see jewelry, they say, oh, he's a rapper. He just, they don't really know what's going on. And then everybody else running around America, they clearly haven't heard 
one of the songs that was my honorable mention is like Ballad of Fallen Soldiers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You ain't you ain't you ain't really listening. <clears throat> so this is what Hov was saying on Point Out the Bounce and that song is real bouncy. Like it's it's upbeat and all that good stuff, but he 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 dropped that on there for anyway. Let me go on. Number four, Encore. I love Encore, and you know what got me? What you think my favorite part of Encore is? I don't know. The numbers. Okay. After the year them sixteens, right. it's one point two. I'm a I'm a, I'm obsessed when right. when his numbers going on. Right, right. Encore. So that <laughs> song, even though it was a it was a commercial big hit like it was that, amazing. That's my honorable mention. You know, That's anybody doing math on a song, I mean, you got me. Like, <laughs> forget about it. Number three, What More Can I Say? Great song, Black Album. Well, that's two back-to-back off the Black Album right there. Um, I get number five. Number Okay. Yeah, number three is that. Number two. You didn't blu- get three, did you? What More Can I Say? Okay, number Black three. Album. Okay, okay. Number two is Blueprint 2 from Blueprint 2. Mm-hmm. Song called Blueprint 2. I love it. Plus, as I say many, many times on this podcast, I love a good diss. Mm-hmm. That was a great diss. One of the best. I love a good diss. Now, this song is, you know. One of the best. I love a good diss song. Okay. <laughs> Blueprint 2, man. Nas still hasn't recovered from that. Honestly. Oh, gosh. Okay. Honestly, everybody's talk all that either talk, but he hasn't. I mean, I'm still the asking people. The fight was over. I'm still asking people, is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one mic? That I want to know. The fight was over, though. The world wants to know. <laughs> is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one mic? I ain't still ain't got no answer yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fight went nowhere. Number one, this may come as a shock to some, but this is Jay Z's best rapping ever. So it's my number one song. Drug Dealers Anonymous. Oh, wow. Jay Z has not done any better rapping than that, and he got a lot of good rapping. But that right there, and that wasn't on any album. That was just a song, and that might actually be Pusha T's song. I don't know whose song it is. They both See, equally I didn't know on there. We could do that now. Huh? I didn't know we could do that. But, I, you know. But, um,. Listen, man, it's not on Pusha T's album either. It's just a loose song that they put out. Jay-Z has the longer verse and he has the better verse. So I'm calling that Jay-Z. Okay. Amazing. That, the rapping on that is top notch. I mean, you're talking about, man, just amazing. You got any honorable mentions? Yeah, um... I have, I got As One, that was on Blueprint 2, The Gift and the Curse. Mm. Uh, I have uh, Show You How, that was Blueprint 2, The Gift and the Curse. That's actually one of my favorite albums, Blueprint 2, The Gift and the Curse. So mm. I'm going to have a lot on that. Uh, I got Jigga What, one of my favorites. That was actually like growing up, that was me and my dad's favorite like song. Mm-hmm. So that's sentimental values, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. For uh, honorable mentions. Songs that I wrote down but didn't make my list would be Can I Live? Love, mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, it's one of the, I like, that's my favorite beat ever. Yeah. Can I Live? Okay, uh, what else? Smile from 444. Again, very, 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 very top-notch rapping on that song. No Flex Zone, nigga, who lied to you? Huh? You're a pedestrian. Don't ever question the security I provide to you. Oh, y'all thought I was washed. I'm at the cleaners, <laughs> laundering dirty money like the Teamsters. Ooh, we just watched the Irishman, too. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> what else you got? Show me what you got. Love that song. I had that. I scratched I it out. I Jordan to oh record You might want to fall back from recording. Mm, they I thought be, Jay-Z I was done. I say that all the time. People be like, because... If you like anything of Kingdom Come, people just think you're the, crazy. But the problem is... But that album was no, good. No, the problem is Black Album was so good, people didn't want to hear nothing that wasn't the Black Album. No, Black Album was great. That's the problem, though. Because Show Me What You Got was like, yo, what are you doing? No, Show Me What You Got was, it was crazy to no, me. I love it. I loved I'm, just, it. I'm saying why people was tripping. They was tripping because we just got Black Album. And then between Show Me What You Got show me what you got, and Touch The Sky, like I was like, oh, this is... With Kanye, I'm like, this is amazing. I don't yeah. want to hear nothing else. But I'm just but. saying, I think the Black Album made people not take Kingdom Come seriously. But people just seriously. didn't like Kingdom Come, which... But I think it's because it's, of that. It was good, though. I don't care. Exactly. People talk about it like it was trash, but it was it was good. It, it was, was good, but I'm saying, though, when you got the Black Album, when you're coming off that, people don't want to hear nothing else, especially since you just said you was retiring. You did. You said you was done, and you gave us the perfect album. And then he gave us the song, Percept Michelle. That wasn't... I didn't like that. What was that? Uh... 
Oh, that was great. You liked that? I didn't like it. The Chrisette Michelle song I'm trying to remember, but I remember Lost loving the one? song. Was that Lost One? No, that she was wasn't Lost on, One. What did she wasn't on that? Yes, yeah, she was. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, that was her. Yeah. I was thinking that was a sample just listening back, but yeah, that but no, was that's her. her voice, that was but her. But look, this is what I'm saying though. I didn't like that one. That was that a was single. a good song. I didn't like Lost that thing, One is okay. fire. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, but. That was it. If I mean, Blackout wasn't I didn't so like, great, but people no, wouldn't. Show me what you got was crazy. People wouldn't have tripped on Kingdom Come like that. It was because the Blackout was so great. People didn't want to hear nothing else. And then um, Ballad for Fallen Soldiers. I mean, now I did not like, ever like that song. That's just I don't fire. Know why. I did. That was on Blueprint too, right? Yeah, I think it was Blueprint too. Yeah, yeah, that was on that Blueprint too. I amazing. definitely wasn't like I, I didn't like that. Because you got like, um, people when they when they talk about Jay Z, they don't really say like, "Yo, he got heavy belt bars," or he got. Mm -hmm. They just like, "Oh, he's just a good rapper," but they don't really talk about what he do. Jay Z can storytell with the best. In a them. dream, that was my song too. A dream was on. It was all a dream. To get yes, that's that was the a opening good one. of Blueprint yeah. too. But but um, his storytelling game yeah is is up there with the best ever. But see, he do so many things good. People just kind of ignore mm -hmm. the details of what he really doing when he. But Ballad for Fallen Soldiers, like you know, showing them how a hustler's life and a soldier's life parallel. Right. You know, he talking about stuff like every single part of everything that he says in that song applies to people that go to the military and it applies to people in the streets. Yeah. Every part of it. Crack was anthrax back then, back when police was al-Qaeda to black men. Was I was while while I was off the war. No, no, no. What he said when um when he was off the war we was uh, uh, I can't remember. But all of it is parallel, like he said at the beginning I of the mean, song. American Dreaming was a was a good story. Yeah, I mean, he got, he got so, it. We, I didn't even get it. I forgot about even putting anything off of American Gangster. Say Hello, yeah. Rock Boys. These are just amazing. So, yeah. I don't think five was enough. But, I mean, hey, whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I could have put Moment of Clarity on there, too. I used Moment to listen to that Moment song. Moment of Clarity too. was good. Black album. But, um, yeah, so that's Hove. Um, 50 of What's joint. his best verse ever? It's what? Drug Dealers Drug Anonymous. Anonymous. Okay. Of course. So, okay. Mine is Diamonds, but that ain't his song. But I think that was his best verse ever. That was my favorite Jay-Z verse of all time. It's one of Diamonds. Remakes, Some of his so. better verses also. Like, I, f I feel like we got robbed on um, uh, uh, I Got What You Need or however you say That's it. That's what me You Know I Got It, that song? No. Oh, no, Got What You Need. Oh, no. on, uh, on uh, Kanye. Watch the Throne. Watch the Throne, right. Where he he hit him with the um, what's up what's up what's up my uh, where my money at? You gonna make good. me come down to your house? I feel like that song should have been way longer, cause him and Kanye short, was yes it was it was like it was only two verses and they was going back and forth so you didn't get a lot. Oh. Kanye then, was was killing that too. He said just got off. He said sorry man, yeah, I'm Kanye in pajamas but I just got off the PJ. Kanye yeah, that was, was killing that. And then uh, you remember that's my bitch on there. That was good. I hate that wasn't my favorite song. That, I, used to, I liked his verse on That's My Bitch. I mean, I wasn't mad at it, but it wasn't my favorite joint, though. I but think I, I just I mean, was all into everything Kanye, so it was like, that was a good song for me, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's Hov's best five mm. to us and some honorable mentions. The Now, what I wanted to talk about is who Hov passed the torch to. Mm -hmm. Well, he passed one of his torches because he had a lot of them. Um, Drake. Drake has been just showing his dominance in every way. All, all of these end of the year, I mean, end of the decade lists that have been coming out. Has there been anyone that Drake hasn't been the top of besides Kanye having the best album? No, I don't think so. Everyone that was based <laughs> on numbers, Drake was number one yeah. in all of them. Except like top ten, I mean, um, number one songs, mm -hmm. Billboard number one songs, but... He was like top four in that, but everything else like so. I, I see this this tweet this morning from this um hip hop by the numbers, and what they do is they just they they Twitter is just full of just random stats about rap and yeah mm -hmm. rap. So what they did was they compiled a list of uh the the RIAA certifications for this decade. What that means pretty much is though that's the the organization that tracks 
sales. Mm -hmm. They track all types of sales. They track streaming. They track physical. They track uh, download. They track all types of sales. They do the diamond. They do the uh, album, like the gold. They say if it's gold, platinum, or diamond. They're the ones that that certify albums. Mm -hmm. So if you heard somebody say they had a platinum album or all that, RIAA is the ones who stamped them. However, I mean, I'll get into that another time. Anyway, Drake is number one by far. And this is just the hip-hop numbers. I heard them on Everyday Struggle talking about the overall music numbers. Drake is number one in that, too. Mm -hmm. But he's number one in hip-hop by far. Drake, so in one decade, Drake has sold 251 million units. Mm -hmm. He has passed Michael Jackson as the number one selling artist in American history. Oh, he has? Yes. But the the thing about it is... So though, it was just Michael Jordan and then Drake. Michael Jackson. Or Michael Jackson. The thing of... The, yeah, Michael Jackson. It, no, I mean, there's people, he passed well, no, a lot I mean, of people. Like, but I'm saying, like, I think Michael Jackson was number one, though. Still, though, before Drake. I think it, so. Right. Okay. I'm pretty sure I saw that not too long ago. When I saw that he had hit this 200-something million, I was seeing when he passed up Michael uh, Jackson. So, but the thing about it is, though... This is this streaming helps that tremendously. Because if Michael Jackson did that, that means that two hundred million people actually went and cool, bought yeah. a copy. Which is crazy. Totally different situation from a couple people streaming songs like a thousand times mm-hmm. and that counting, you know what I'm saying, a whole lot. And then as time goes on with Drake being as popular as he is, people play his music all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Like it's still counting towards his album sales, whereas and if you he bought has a, more music right now than probably Michael Jackson has. Made yeah, but if over you bought time, a Michael so. Jackson album back then, you keep listening to the yeah, same, same CD; thing. it don't count no more. Right. But if you listen to Drake every day, it counts every time you listen. Mm-hmm. So that that so he it's not like he made two hundred fifty million worth uh, album sales worth of money like Michael Jackson did, but he made you know he has the the phys, he has the numbers to say he's as popular as. The the, bet the uh, most popular musicians in music history. Now, uh, I like the question that this hip hop by numbers thing asked. You have the picture, right? Mm-hmm. Were you surprised by anything on this list? Mm-hmm. Oh well, I, let me give them the list so okay. that, we, that okay, they okay. could know why we say. Okay, now number one is Drake. Number two is Nicki Minaj. Number three is Kendrick Lamar. Number four is Future. Number five is Wiz Khalifa. Number six is Big Sean. Number seven is B.O.B. Number eight is J. Cole. Number uh, nine is tied for Kid Cudi and Macklemore. Why are they together? No, because they have the same amount. Tied. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Number number 10 is Meek Mill, or the last one is Meek Mill, which would have been number 11. Now, um, now this is everything for this decade only. This is only rap. This is just rap for this decade only. So there's, you know... There's a lot of other types of artists and other genres. Now, anything shock you here? Oh, I was shocked to see B.O.B. on it, but I guess when I thought about it, not really because he had some really big. I saw records. somebody else say that on this thing. I'm like, y'all, y'all must I didn't be think about. I mean, when I saw it, and I was like, oh, he did have some really, really big records Hell in yeah. rap. So, I mean, and then um, I'm not shocked, but I mean, I'm, I love seeing how how many Nikki, how much you know, Nikki sold. Like that, that's amazing to me. But. Yeah, because Nikki went four years between the last two albums. Right. Because so. she only has well, oh well, she got like four albums. Future total. being as high as he is, kind of. Future is high. Shocking. But Future got a me. lot of hits. This, he got all a, his whole career, pretty his big mainstream career is all this decade. So. Yeah, but I mean, sense. I guess I'm thinking more about like um, all of the underground stuff that Future came out with that was really big underground. You like know what, what I mean? Like. Uh, like, God blessing all the trap niggas. What is it? Like, trap niggas. That was underground. That was like on mixtape. Was, was, was it on an album? Huh? Was it on an album? What album was it on? Trap niggas was on DS2. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, like, some of his other stuff was I like think a lot I, of, I his, wanna, a lot of saying, stuff that reason, I knew, like, big feature stuff was like mixtape future. But anything that came out well, during, I guess the, maybe during just the streaming here just. If it came out know. during the streaming era, it don't matter what he call it. It's going to be counted towards the sales. Mm, okay. Because a lot of, especially everything from 2015, 2016. What was on, March Madness on? March Madness was around that 2015, 2016 I mean, time. I don't on? know what the project, but I know that it was 
I mean, it was it was uh, being counted because it's all original music. Okay, it's, so it's a, okay, it's original. Music. I'm just saying. I'm thinking more about just. Uh, I I didn't know they were counting uh, mixtape music. They only and count. Stuff they like count mixtapes if they go for sale, and okay. if people streaming it, then it's a legit joint. So they are gonna count that. Okay. Future. I mean, he got <laughs> some smash hits. This yeah, I know decade, he got so. hits. I'm just. It was just uh, shocking to see. Yeah, a little shocking, but not really. Um, I think I forget what I. Oh, I think what I what I said. Um, the shocking thing was how far ahead Drake was than the next than the number two. Drake is at two hundred fifty one million sales, and the next person, which is number two, Nicki Minaj, is one hundred eleven million. So he's more than doubled the next rapper this decade. So this is what I be trying to tell people when I say something about Drake. The the difference between Drake and the number two during his time is much further than any other era in music history. There's never been this big of a gap between two people like this. Like, you can't name a time where, like, 50 Cent was that far ahead. 50 Cent was never far ahead of Jay-Z, if at all, or Eminem, Eminem. or Nelly, Nelly, or none of these people. Like, he wasn't ahead of them like that, as far as numbers go. He had a diamond album, but after that, he didn't do that no more. So, there's never been, even... I mean, rappers in the 80s, nobody was doing numbers that was just dwarfing the next person behind them. Mm-hmm. So it's just crazy that Drake has been able to do it. And, and everybody is able to use streaming the same way. Everybody can use the singing thing and everybody got access to the same type of stuff that Drake has access to. But, you know, and, and if you want to do the or if you want to try to look for something along the racial lines, Drake is mixed. He got a white mom, but J. Cole also. And J. Cole has been around since this whole decade also. J. Cole been having projects from the beginning of the decade all the way up until now. And he's 29 million. So he's weighed down for the people that he gets compared to, which is, who is it? Kendrick, Cole, Drake. Kendrick, Kendrick is number three. And Kendrick's first album was 2012. Well, the first big, you know, major one, Good Kid, Mad City, that's 2012. Mm-hmm. And he's almost three times the sales that J. Cole has. That's crazy. Um, I don't even know. I, I thought Macklemore only had like one album. So for him to be 27 million sold. That's that album. <laughs> that one song. 27. One yeah, that, that, the thrift store thrift joint. Thrift store stuff, yeah. He had another one on and that album. And then the... But... Um, uh, yeah, I know, I know what song For Macklemore to have that many f- and only have like one album that I've heard of anyway... That's 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 crazy. Big Sean did pretty good for himself though to be cuz you would think that J Cole was bigger but Big Sean has way more sales than than Big Sean is Big 50 Sean has 52. big hits too. Like J Cole do too though. J Cole Big Sean got 52 million sold uh albums sold or 52 which you know yeah 52 million albums sold equivalent units and J Cole is at 29. That's I would think J Cole would be Way higher than that. I I would absolutely think Big Sean would be over J Cole. I mean, over by Way almost over. double. Yeah. I can give you. I can go hit for hit. You go Big Sean, J Cole. I can. Give I mean, you hit I'm for just. Hit. It just seemed like even hit for hit it seemed like J Cole's hits were just massive. Way more massive. J Cole, you mean Big Sean? I mean, Big, Big Sean don't have as many. Massive. He don't have. What's What's Big Sean's last hit? I don't f with you. Okay, maybe or I mean, he just has some big hits though. I mean, but. yeah, he has like a he has a few, but J Cole has consistent hits from 2010 on, up until but now. Do it, well, okay, he has he has good projects. It don't seem like he, he got has hits a, too though. I mean, okay, well, I'm just saying there's a big difference though for J Cole to have been putting out music since it's just as long as Big Sean has, and I Cole might have had his first hit before Big Sean. So yeah, that that you know, that's just interesting. Uh, that's that's all I got on the music tip. Now we about to slide over to some of this some of this stuff that's in the news right now. Mm-hmm. Because there's a big thing happening with the food stamps, the federal food stamp program or what they call SNAP. Mm-hmm. The um what is it? Supplemental, Supplemental Nutritional, Nutritional Assistance, Assistance program. program, yeah. So you would have uh Oh, if my computer, my computer is 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 stupid and slow. So, hey, hey, hey. Of 
course we want to move slow right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now the food stamp program. I mean, what what everybody in the what a lot of these headlines are saying is that seven hundred thousand people will be losing their benefits, and um. So, but that that estimate has gone down to six hundred eighty-eight thousand, and it's not Why? a guaranteed, but uh-huh. it's that potentially. But all of these news reports, they don't say potential; they just say they they cutting benefits for this many people. So they are they're targeting that many people to cut. They're not targeting that many people. That they're putting out from. new rules, and then they say those rules will cut off this the people that group applies. People. Okay, I got you. So what 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 the new one of because they're saying there's like three three new guidelines that they're coming up with, but they're mm-hmm. not... All these articles I've been seeing are only talking about one, which is anybody from eight from ages 18 to 49, mm-hmm. if you don't have any kids, if you don't have any disabilities, you will not get any benefits unless mm-hmm. you work at least, like, what, three 20, months? 20 and 30, hours for, thir- for three months. Three months out of 36 months. Every yeah. 36 months, you got to work for three months. Right. Oh, okay, so we got a, a, a thing here that says... Now, let me read this excerpt. Under current rules, work-eligible, able-bodied adults without dependents and between ages 18 and 49 can currently receive only three months of SNAP benefits in a three-year period if they don't meet the 20-hour work requirement, right? That's if they don't meet that requirement. So those people can get benefits if they do meet the requirement, but they still got to make under a certain amount of money. So there's that. Mm Okay. Okay. The new rule imposes a stricter criteria states must meet in order to issue. Okay, so what was happening is, and that, so the 20-hour work requirement, but it says, but states with higher unemployment rates or uh, demonstrable lack of sufficient jobs can waive those limits, those time limits, right? The new rule says that uh, under the new plan, states can only issue waivers if a city or county has an unemployment rate of 6% or higher. The waivers are good for one year and require governor to support they require the governor to support the request, right? Wow. So, uh, okay, the final rule will be published on the Federal Register and go into effect in April. So I'm, I haven't seen like how they, I don't, I don't know the process of changing these type of government benefits. I don't know if Congress got to approve or if they just, since they this is from the Department it. of Agriculture, I guess they can just do it since they're already in charge or not department, the not the Department of Agriculture, but the Department of um. I'm guessing the, the people who help out with with benefits and things. Oh, okay. But, but um. Hmm. So. This is the thing about this with this waivers because they have a waiver and and they have a waiver for people who live in cities or counties with over six percent uh, unemployment rate, right? So what does that mean? That means pretty much most black people mm-hmm. that have um. Well, most black people in the most impoverished area will apply. I mean, will be able to get waivers for this thing if they don't have any kids or or disabilities. However, they threw this little thing in there. The governor has to approve. That won't happen. I don't know how many requests this governor (laughs) is going to have a chance to look at. But when you're talking about that many people, how are they going to approve any? How are they going to have time to approve anything on that scale? 600,000 people? Okay. But it also said if it has an unemployment rate of 6% or higher, right? Mm-hmm. So what about, okay, the places, this is why I think like this, I'm sorry, I don't usually say or think these kind of things, but like I think that this is a target to black people because, to only black people, because it says uh, unemployment rate of 6% or higher. I mean, if the if the city or the county has an unemployment rate of 6% or higher, a lot of places have a lower, I mean, a, a lower unemployment rate but that doesn't necessarily mean like black people is work like a lot of black people are working. Like, are they gonna help get these jobs? You know what I mean? Well, are they gonna of, do yeah. job assistant placement or some job placement for these people? Because yeah, what if they just places, don't get jobs? There are plenty of three months is a long. It's not that long to be going without work because a lot of people cannot find a job, a, a you know sufficient job, within three months. I think cities like mine, where I'm from. Will have no problem with waivers. Bigger cities like Atlanta, that's what I'm thinking. They will, like, but the thing about Atlanta is, Atlanta has black people are working in Atlanta. Yeah, that's true. Like a lot, like Atlanta's unemployment rate is like three percent. Some, some like three to five percent is low, and it's a mostly it's a mostly black 
city. So you got to think about the places that don't have a lot of opportunity like these bigger cities. They'll apply. Right. They'll still be able to get but, these benefits. Okay, so but they're they going to get the benefits. They'll be right? eligible anyway. They're going to be eligible, they, they but then them. now once they work, like, okay, they work, let's say they work 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. They do the, the bare minimum. They are able to meet that requirement. Now they're trying to cut. Now they're probably going to go to cutting those people's benefits off so crazy. Like, you know, like, it don't take much. What you for mean? The, like, they're going to cut, like, say, let's just say a person is getting uh, $250 in um, food stamps, depending on if they got kids or if they don't or whatever. Well, it don't apply. Okay. This don't have nothing to well, do with okay. kids. Well, okay, so let's just say they don't. These are just single And they get people. about $170 or something like that, $175, something like that. Um. They work the 20 hours. They work the 20 hours for the three-month period or whatever. Now, they're going to say, okay, well, you qualify. You're eligible. Now, we're going to give you $50 a month because you have this job. You know what I'm saying? Like, now. Look at what this says, though. See, because I don't know. I'm saying they're going to cut those people's benefits down This is just a news article. I don't know. I've been seeing this everywhere. But what I'm saying is what it says, it don't say that they got to do three months of work. It says they need 20 hours of work in three years. That's what that says. I don't know. You see this? No, it Be- says they can receive only three, three months, months of benefits. Not that they have to work and, for three and months. And then after then. three months, they're not going to get any more benefits until right. they work but a 20 I'm, hour job, a 20 hour, uh, just 20 hours, a That's 20 it. hour week requirement in three years. You need 20 hours. No, That's what this says. That's what I'm trying to say. They, this is weird that it would say you only need 20 hours in three years? Okay. That's what that's saying. I'm, to me, it's sounding like you won't be eligible for SNAP benefits until another three-year period, until after three years. No, but you got to work. See, this is what... So, I don't know. I don't know how that It's, goes, it's weird, though, because I would like to see the actual legislation because that's with all these news articles. I mean, saying, it's, it's going around. It's a lot of stuff. I've been seeing news awesome. articles. This is just okay. like this, though. I read another one, too, from um, New York Times. And it said the same thing, but that's just weird though to me. But it it doesn't apply to people with children. So everybody who's worried about that, you shouldn't worry about that. A lot of the people that'll be affected by this College are people coming too. out of jail, uh, yeah, people coming out of prison, homeless people. Mm-hmm. That's who this is going to cut a lot of those people off. Because if you know about the homeless population, that's around the same number that they're talking about, around yeah. six hundred eighty-eight thousand. That's around the homeless population in America. Yeah, those are the people that's going to be effed up. They're the ones so coming messed, out of prison. And then they're supposed, to, they're supposed to be able to, I don't know if, how they do this, but they're supposed to be able to prove that they are homeless. I don't even know how that works. How well, that works like that, this, but, though. They give you three months work. But three months is, I mean, people I know, I'm are just on saying, the street though, longer than three months. I know, but I'm saying, though, it's weird how this thing looks. I but wanna, I know a lot of young people, like when we were younger, well, like college age, like a lot of, um, you know, they would have college kids they would get those food stamps and stuff like that. And they would work, you know, little jobs and stuff. So they were able to get that. But they did have that in place. They did have the, already had the requirement of like having to have that part-time job and and working at least that many hours. Because a lot of the kids that I know, like that went to like USC and stuff, they had to show like their pace to like show that they were actually working that many hours. This was like years ago. But that's people without children. So yeah. people shouldn't get this Able-bodied. mixed up. They're not taking money from like families or nothing like that. Now I do see uh, uh, some somebody saying like, well, if, if they could save, if they talking about they got to save money, whatever, whatever. They saying that this is only gonna save them five billion dollars over a five year period. To the government, that's no money. Yeah, that's one jet. That's one of those fighter jets that they buy from Boeing. That's just one of them. This is not no. I mean, it's not one, but that's just. A few of them things that ain't that ain't that's and that's over a five year period. Mm. Like that's one navy ship. I'll say that that's one navy ship. So they they I mean, like I they don't have to. This, I they mean, don't have to act like um this is about to save massive amounts of money. It's no, not, it's not. It's I not. Mean, and they only taking money from like a lot of the homeless people, really, that's, that's, and felons, that's really people that's sad. coming fresh out of prison. That, well, cause, not you know, really, because decide- I thought felons couldn't get certain. Yes, you can get this. Oh well, in South Carolina you can't. The well, I'm just saying you can get, you can it, get it. It's all. a federal like, thing. Like that's oh, okay. you consider that's like a. Disability. Well, maybe if they do something wrong with because you only the... get it for a few months. Okay. And then you're done with it. Then you can't get it. No but more. Okay. but um, yeah, you can you can get that temp. It's like because you're homeless. That's pretty much how they look at you. Like you you homeless. I got you. But I think um, I I think that 
other than it, because it, it is it's going to affect homeless people, which is like awful to me. But if they just felt the need to do cuts or something, like do that, I feel like that is the better group to do it to. I mean, not homeless people, but like, you know, people who probably can go out and get a job for 20 hours. But I, I just feel bad for like the homeless people because like... To me, to me, that's not, it's not good to do it to anybody. It's not good to do it to anybody. Because the thing no, about but, it is, these people, but people with the children, people during I mean, that age... Because, you know, people only get counted as unemployed if they're in the job field looking for a job. You don't get considered unemployed if you're not look, trying to get a job. These people, you during mean? that, you're not considered... If you don't un- have a job, you're unemployed. That's, they don't count that, though. Okay. You have to be... People, they only counting people who are looking for jobs. And It's weird, I know. Okay, so are, the, are those people... Okay, so are those people... Do those people have, like, open claims with, like, the Department of Labor? Is that how they're counting them? Or yeah, because, they they, you know, when they say unemployment... They, if you like look at a whole unemployment report, it says jobless claims, unemployment claims. Okay, so they it's don't have only accurate, people with yeah, because some people don't even qualify for unemployment. You know, claims, how, so you that's know not when right. you when you're on unemployment and they say you got to go look for a job. Right. That's where they get those numbers from. That's what I'm saying, but I'm saying like you. That's considering you're even uh, eligible for unemployment benefits because some jobs you don't. Well, you're not eligible. It's, it's, it's say hard you quit. to track. That information, it's hard to get because me and me and uh, my guy Lester, we was just talking about this. Who has accurate? Which one of these government agencies got accurate info? It's hard for them to count every single unemployed person because you don't know who's unemployed. So you can only go by what you have, which is people filing for unemployment. That's the only thing they can go by. So that's what they have. It's unfortunate because there's. They don't have no. I think I think more people are. I think more people who are unemployed don't even qualify for unemployment benefits. Yeah, but I'm just because saying, a lot of people just quit their, but, had to resign or quit their job or like they work like part time jobs and then they have to find another one and they're not eligible to get these benefits. These they don't have any benefits. other way to count them though. There's no way to really know who's unemployed because you don't know who. Because <coughs> excuse me, they only counting people that consider themselves active workers. If I'm 35 millionaire from whatever I have a million dollars for, they're not gonna count me. I'm not looking for no job. So you, so they're not because. Unemployment numbers is based You're on still like, unemployed. Unemployed numbers is not based on employment. It's based on like the economy's efficiency. If I have somebody looking for a job, I can get them a job See, at ninety seven percent because the the unemployment rate is like three to four percent. I think you should just not, count not tax like paying. You you count tax paying individuals who I mean that you can those pay taxes without a job. Well, right, but I mean like people with. You you could track people with W twos. You could track that kind of stuff. That's what I was telling Lester. I was telling him the anybody IRS. Anybody with a W two, you can't. The you IRS can, I mean, is the yeah, only self employed. It's probably it's probably the agency with the most accurate information. Right. But they don't get the info until the January. Yeah, February. but then that's when the numbers should come no, out. No, unemployment then. numbers come out weekly. Okay. Well, they come out monthly, but the I mean, Bureau but, of Labor Statistics posts. Right, them but weekly. I think that would be a little more accurate to see who's who's drawing the, the W two. Don't give up the info. Okay. They're not like if you one agency doing a report, you can get it from them. But they're not like about to post reports. They don't do that. But okay. they got the info though. The IRS got the info. But anyway, um, I don't think they should be doing this this um cut at all. The reason no, I don't either. think so is because they're not gaining enough to justify taking this many people off. The reason I brought up unemployment is because I said I was saying that. These people fall into that world, that category of 18 to 49 mm-hmm. without a job because they can't find a job. Mm-hmm. Because there's only so many jobs. The rest of us that have houses and jobs, we have houses and jobs because somebody else don't have a housing job. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how the world works right now. And it's, it sucks. So I don't think, like, if you already got this, I can see if we was trying to give more people benefits, but they're trying to take it away. They're trying to take it away. And also, I haven't seen anything. I read that article. I didn't see anything of this is what we're doing for job placements. Like, this is what we're doing for like this. this. Get people to go get jobs. No, it's people want jobs. I don't know why y'all think people want to sit home and collect a hundred and because these people, these people don't have kids. So they ain't getting a whole lot of money. You know what I'm saying? They ain't getting barely getting any. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like in order to get any kind of money from the government, you know, you kind of have got to have like dependents and stuff, kids and stuff like that. So they ain't getting a whole lot of money, and it's not enough to say, okay, I'm just not going to work just to receive this money. Like they swear people doing that. It's not enough money to live 
on like that. You know what I mean? To live off of like that. People are um they they're framing this whole thing like it's now. I, I'm gonna give both sides. They framing this whole thing like um they're doing it for the purpose of like promoting motivating people jobs. To get jobs. That's so stupid. Not creating jobs, but making people want to go get jobs. They think people sitting around. Now I will say this. You will be more likely to find something to do for money if you can't get government assistance. The problem is... But that's not all government assistance. The, that's just a... a that's how government honest. assistance works. When, I mean, it, when it's not available, you'll food go stamps. work. That's it. That's all it is. So, I mean, if you can't like food you, stamps, you can't pay, your, you can't pay your bills on food stamps. You wasn't so, paying your bills anyway, though. If okay. you was getting food. But this is what I'm saying, though. I will say this. I feel like there was a time before a lot of these things was available to us, people were finding ways to make things work for themselves and thrive. Now, everything is more expensive now, so that's not going to work the same of way. Of course. The way it used to work. But the problem, the bigger problem with that is, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to motivate people to get out here and get some money. The I problem is they're going so. to do it any way they can. You're talking about a population 18 to 49 that has to do whatever they can do to get money? And crime is going up. Yeah, yeah. Crime is definitely about to go up. And then, I, I just, I don't I don't see, like, I don't understand why, I really don't understand the idea of people feeling like people are just, just chilling and collecting government. Uh, like, especially like some like food stamps, because look at the people who are homeless. Yeah, they might be able to get, you know, $100, $200 of food stamps or something, but they're homeless still. Like, it's not like they're living it up you know what i mean like so even let let's say they do get a job uh, working 20 hours a week what does that change for them like financially like they might that money is not going to be life altering it's not going to help them i mean it'll help it's money but that money might not get them a place to stay like it probably won't get them a, a place to stay at all so what's the point? Like, I don't understand why take that little money. Like, why take that kind of money from people thinking it's going to make them get a job? Like, if no. they if they would get a job. Like, it, the, the food stamps is not stopping anybody from working. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not it's not. I can see if it was, like, out. welfare or something like that. It's not welfare. It's food stamps. It's not going to work out the way that they're saying it is. No. It's definitely about to cause more crime, though. I know that because that is a group of people, if they don't have their dependents with them, they have more time to sit and think. Yeah. Well, I see this. I Able can't because I try to get home, hungry. I try to get Crazy. a job. These people won't hire me. I don't have an address. When I can't, and I showed up to the interview, I smelled kind of bad because I was on the street for two weeks. I smell bad, so um, I'm gonna get money some kind of way. <laughs> so so y'all, y'all can figure out if y'all don't want to give me money. Okay, that's cool. But the people that y'all are getting tax money from, I'll get it from them. The another thing about this, they're saying. Well, no, taxes are going down a little bit. I ain't going to lie. Oh, God. The, um, now I was about to say they're taking money from people, but they're not giving us money back. But tax, the, the standard deduction is, is going up. Uh, ev- I think it's going up every year for the next few years. Hmm. I mean, at, at what cost? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's not worth it, though, to me. It's not. That's what I'm Because c- the amount of it. money that they claiming that they're saving, $5.5 billion, $5. billion, that ain't. It's that's not, not worth it at it, all. To a government, to a government as large as ours, that ain't no money for real. So uh, they need to relax. Like it's it's no money to them, and it's like life altering for other people for people right. who need that, it. That hundred fifty a month, like you could eat, you could definitely eat yeah. with hundred fifty a month. Our government, what is they gonna do with five billion except embezzle it? Somebody gonna steal it. Somebody gonna do something with it, and they gonna get their friend a contract, and they gonna spend that whole five billion with they with their homeboy that just started his own aerospace company. That's what they gonna do with that. And that aerospace company is going to go out of business in three months, but they just needed to get that $5 billion contract. That was That's, that's what they're doing with that money, man. Anyway, Very go nasty. ahead. Yeah, so look. Now, one thing that I wanted to do is December, so hey, it's Black History Month. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do is uh, get into some black history facts that interest us and interest us, interest us. Mm-hmm. It's late, y'all. Listen to me. It's very late. Now, uh, Lucy, you can go ahead and start with your fun facts about history. Okay. Do you have a number? Did you say how much we need? Four or five? Number what? A number of facts. I did, but go ahead. Say whatever you got. Go okay. Ahead. All right. So, my first little fact. It's not fun, but it's a fact. Um, Nancy Green. 
Nancy Green is a former slave that was employed in the 1890s. She promote well, she promoted Aunt, the Aunt Jemima brand of syrup. Uh, she was popular because of her personality and her storytelling skills. She also signed a lifetime contract. And her image was used for packaging and ads. Very sad. Very, very sad. Sad situation. So that's not really an accomplishment, uh, you know. But it was just interesting to me. My second uh, fun fact. Ray West. Ray West is a former Black Panther that was the first, the first black photojournalist at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution. What's the Constitute? And Ray West is the father of Kanye West. So I thought that was really interesting. Because Kanye West was actually born in Atlanta. To his, his mom and dad was from Atlanta. He was born here, and as a baby, he moved to Chicago. I think he was three years old when they moved him to, they moved to Chicago. Very strong connections between Atlanta and Chicago black people coming very, back very and strong. forth over the last however many decades. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have two more. No, I just said I'll just do this last one. So anyway, this one this last one was like really interesting to me because um I was looking up uh the ring doorbell systems. I was looking that up just trying to check it out, see if we like, you know, just, just looking up what it does and everything. And I came across this information that the first home security system in 1966 was made, was invented by Marie Brown, a black woman uh, from Jamaica, Queens, New York. Uh, she, she was a full-time nurse and her, her husband was an electrician as well. She, well, they both created the home security system because she was a full-time nurse and her husband was an electrician. They didn't have um, a standard nine-to-five job, and the crime rate was really high in Queens, in Queens where she was living. Um, their system had a set of three peepholes. At the opposite side of the door, a camera was attached with the ability with the ability to slide up and down to allow the person to see from the peephole. The system could also unlatch the door by remote control. It included a device that enabled a homeowner to use a television set to view the person at the door and hear the caller's voice. So, and also the person at the door could hear the the resident's voice as well. And that was in 1966, which mm-hmm. I did not know a black woman, well, actually a black couple, they, they only have her credit. I guess she they had her patent. She has the patent for it. Um, but that couple actually made the first home security system mm. in 1966. Mm. So I thought that was very interesting. Very interesting. Yes. That's all you got? That's what I got. Cool. Cool, cool. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Now, my stuff, if y'all follow my Facebook, you will have seen some of this stuff. Now, the first... Uh, very distinguished and forgotten somebody who has been erased from history is Annie Malone. I love the story of Annie Malone because they have told us for many, 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 many years, a hundred years now, that Madam C.J. Walker was the first millionaire, self-made millionaire female in American history, right? That was white or black. She was the first one, period. But they, they failed to mention Annie Malone, who was in the same industry, the hair care industry for black women. Uh, they Black women at that time, they were sick of using goose fat and soap and other oils to straighten their hair. They needed a product specifically for them, and Annie Malone invented it. She invented products to help black women straighten their hair. Now, it's not the best of circumstances, but... She was an inventor, so let's respect her for that. Now, you know, I know natural is the thing right now, but we're not going to shit on this lady because she wanted to help women straighten their hair. You know how, you know how what was going on in, in the late 1800s, okay? This woman was born in 1869, so listen, man. They was coming up out of, out of, out of slavery, and they wanted to straighten their hair, and I'm not mad at them. They do what they had to do. Now, so they say that she invented the pressing iron and the hot comb and other hair straightening devices. Now, she came up with a product called... Her her name, the company's name was Poro, P-O-R-O. 
And she just came out with a lot of straightening products for women that would not damage their hair. See, that's important because a lot of people have products. They just used to tear black women's hair up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of products that came after that would tear women's so hair. So these black were natural hair products, or what, I mean, what, I mean, what, we, they don't, we don't it, know what there was, was in it. Was there any chemical? There weren't any chemicals in it. Is that it what was just? It was because this is one of the things. One of her products was called Wonderful Hair Growers. So not only was there was it healthy mm-hmm. for black women's hair, it was making their hair grow. Okay. You know, a lot of women running around the South is hot. You know, they mm-hmm. they might they might have been putting some animal grease up in their head. Mm-hmm. It might have been messing them up or they was putting chemicals in it to straighten it. And it was burning their scalp all crazy. She came with something that not only would take care of your scalp, not only take a lot care. A more stress too, so the hair was falling out. Yeah. Not only nourish the follicles, but it would actually make your hair grow so much that they would, you know, it was like a miracle product. Mm-hmm. Annie Malone actually had a super company at that time. She was a she made she had the big million dollar company, massive million dollar company, and actually, she opened up a college called the Poro College, and she taught black women all over the country how to sell her products, and she taught them everything about hair care. She taught black women in the early 1900s about black hair care, not just hair care. She was teaching about black women's hair. Mm-hmm. Early 1900s, she's a big dog to me. I like I like her story, man. One of her students was actually Madam C.J. Walker, whose real name is Sarah Lovebreed. That was her student. And she ended up taking some of Annie Malone's stuff and going on to make her own mega empire. But both of these women were rich at the same time. It wasn't like one came up and the other one, you know, that took from the other one. They was both rich at the same time. That's how much money was in that world at that time. So the fact that we lost this industry, because black women started that industry. The fact that they lost it some kind of way to the, these other companies, the Doves and the, you know, all these other, the, the Uni, Unilever and all of that, it, it, it's sad. But just know that that industry was started by black women. Mm-hmm. When I say that industry, which people like to shit on black women for shopping with these other people, the industry called hair care products started with them. Okay? So if they decided to shop somewhere else, that was because... They felt like it, but that was their choice to do. They didn't, you know, and they could take it back if they want you, you the, the, to the Koreans listening. They could take it back if they want. Okay, my second uh, thing is about Cheney University. Now, the reason I wanted to big this one up is because Cheney University is actually the first uh, institute of higher learning for black people in America. The original name of it was actually the African Institute. It was founded in 1837 in, uh, what was it, Philly, I think? It was in Pennsylvania. Uh, What city is this boy in? Um, It's definitely in Pennsylvania around Philly. Okay, yeah, 25 miles west of Philadelphia. um, And listen, man, I mean, you know, you just got to big up anything that becomes this. It it wasn't originally called Cheney University. It was originally called... um, let me see, the Institute for Colored Youth after being called the African Institute. Mm-hmm. And then they became a normal school, which at yeah. that time a normal school was. It meant that they taught black people or they taught people, period, how to become teachers. Mm-hmm. So uh, normal schools was pretty much the first major education facilities for black people in America because so many black kids didn't know how to read and write and adults that we needed black teachers in mass because we needed after slavery we talk, needed our, talk about that huh that's i was just about to talk about yeah we needed um before. we needed like massive we didn't we had other things like we had people becoming lawyers and stuff like that politicians but what we needed more than anything were teachers mm-hmm. and certain um because this school was started because a white man donated ten thousand dollars to open up uh his name was richard humphreys to open up this school and it was specifically for black people so that 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 was this is the first HBCU in Amer- in uh, American history right here. So Cheney University, man, y'all look that up. It went through a lot of different iterations over time. The thing about I think why what me and you was talking about one time, Lucy, was that other schools claimed that they was the first one. Mm-hmm. This school wasn't able to give out degrees as early as other ones mm-hmm. because they weren't. This school was they wasn't focused on like hey we HBCU none of that. They just was hardcore mm-hmm. making people teachers. 
So they were so focused on that. Other schools like Lincoln University and some of the schools in the South and all that, yeah. they was becoming Avery, Avery. they was becoming like real universities. So they was giving degrees out. Mm-hmm. This school wasn't giving degrees. They was giving out teaching certificates at first. Mm-hmm. But they were the first ones that was straight for black people, though. So, uh, yeah, that's that's another one. Then So now, let's stay in higher education now. A brother named William Hooper Council. Who was he? Born in 1848 in, uh, uh, let me see, what was he born? I think he was born in North Carolina. Yeah, he was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 1848. Um, you know, his dad, you know, he was he was born into slavery. His dad escaped slavery and tried to get him the rest of the family out, and they wasn't having it. So, you know, he his whole family besides the dad ended up getting sold up to Virginia, and then they okay. split the family up again and sold people down to Alabama and all that type of stuff. They just broke that whole family up. But he persevered. He went on to, I guess they say he didn't have any formal education outside of uh, the eighth grade. Mm. And he went on to become a super professor. He's actually the first president of the school, Huntsville Normal School, which we just talked about what a normal school is. They Mm -hmm. teach teachers how to become teachers. That school today is called Alabama A&M. So he's the first president of the school that's known today as Alabama A&M, which is an HBCU uh, he's a founding father of that school also. I just wanted to, um, I like, H- I never got to go to an HBCU as a student, but I like history that involved, a lot of the people that I like to talk about are people that went to HBCUs because mm-hmm. th- those were the schools for black people at a certain time. It was like Harvard was letting some people out in, uh, maybe Princeton, a couple schools, but most of those schools weren't even letting people. The reason people like this man never went to high school and uh, a couple other people that I have on my list in the 1800s because no high schools were allowed for black people. Right. There were high schools at these times. They just didn't let black people in. Most of the time that where there was a school for black people, all the school, all the kids of all ages was in the same room. Like it was like right. K through eight all in one classroom learning at the same. That's why you hear stories about like, oh, this person went to college when they was 14. It's because universities was letting black people in. This high schools wasn't. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think this man is one of the ones who also he had to go to college as a very young age. He did high school and college at the same time because when he got in into college, he would take night classes so that he could catch up to his white peers at the school. So, yeah, man, uh, William Hooper, William Hooper uh, Council, man, y'all, y'all look him up. Everything we talking about, man, y'all get a chance, y'all look him up, man. He was a good dude, very smart guy back in the day, man. Self-taught. He 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 got into politics, all kind of stuff. He was actually an adversary for Booker T. Washington back in the day because you know Alabama A and M, Tuskegee, they were competing back then for state funds. So you know we hate to see that type of thing going on between HBCUs, but it was happening back then though. So him and him and Booker T. was was beefing at a at a point, but it's all good though. You know, they you know it never got it never got crazy. Now, who do I have here? Now, this this fella right here, he was into a lot of stuff. His name is Charles Johnson, Charles Spurgeon Johnson. He was born in Bristol, Virginia in 1893. Now, what this guy's claim to fame was is uh, sociology. He's a, like one of the fathers of race relations, like the term. He was He was big when it came, he was big in terms of trying to get white and black people to come to an understanding based on social studies not not like the class social studies but he did studies on the social on the sociology of america and race relations he was one of the people put in charge of uh studying the chicago race riot which was a major thing you know they had a bunch of deaths i think they said 23 black people 15 white people died it was it was a major thing at the time and it wasn't just in chicago there was race riots all over the country but one of the cities that happened in was chicago and he was tasked with uh, studying that, and uh, they put together a 700-page report on that, and it pretty much was looked at as the, it, it was like a legendary document at that time, even though uh, scholars say they didn't hold white people accountable enough for their role in starting the race riot. Uh, this man is also largely responsible for the fame of the Harlem Renaissance, that seems strange because, like, dang, you was sociology, race riots, all that. But the thing is, he was a writer. He worked for the Urban League, and he worked for the Urban League's uh, newspaper, Opportunity. 
what he did was he used the opportunity. He would write pieces about what was going on up in Harlem, and they would put that out to everybody. And everybody was like, "Whoa, I need to go to Harlem." He was he was pretty much the mouthpiece for the promo for Harlem. He was telling everybody, "Y'all got to go." They wasn't calling it the Harlem Renaissance. They was just saying Harlem, right? Or they might have. I don't know what they was calling it. But he was telling people, yo, y'all need to go up to Harlem, check it out. And, you know, that made that thing blow up. He actually graduated from Fisk University. Or, uh, wait, he might have been a professor at Fisk University. He definitely graduated from Virginia Union. That's an HBCU. And uh, he got his uh, bachelor's from Chicago University of Chicago also. So that man was, was a genius of his time. Everybody I'm talking about, I want y'all to go listen, look him up, man. Charles Johnson. Now, last but not least... Percy Julian. Percy Julian was a chemist. And listen, y'all. My man was born in 1899. He died in 1975. This man was a genius. Okay, let me tell you. I'm going to just give you this. African-American chemist Percy Julian was a pioneer in the chemical synthesis of medicinal drugs such as cortisone, steroids, and birth control. Like, this man was like that. They say, let me, let me, they say he's pretty much... Okay, Percy Julian was a pioneering chemist who not who was not allowed to attend high school. He's another one. He didn't go to high school, so he went to college and night school at the same time. He went on to earn his PhD. He couldn't even get his PhD in America. He went to uh, Harvard. Mm -hmm. Harvard let him get his uh no not it wasn't Harvard. Harvard let him get his master's. He went back to DePaul University in Indiana, but mm -hmm. they was like you can't get your PhD here. So he traveled the, the world teaching black people how to be very smart. Then he had to go to Austria to get his PhD, and then he could come back here and be a legit chemist. Very crazy story. Now, uh, he went on to earn his PhD. His research, his research at academic and corporate institutions led to the chemical synthesis of drugs to treat glaucoma and arthritis. And although his race prevented challenges at every turn, he is regarded as one of the most influential chemists in American history. So people in chemistry, you might have seen his name before, but you might not have known he was a black man. Okay. And I want y'all to look him up, man. He was, uh, man, these dudes, you know, he had to get his PhD from Vienna, University of Vienna in Austria, 1931. Y'all look these people up. Look this guy up, I'm man. I'm going to add one person. Go ahead. Because I actually was going to do my whole segment about her, um, but I didn't because I was just trying to save time. But I do want to talk about her. Okay. So the person I want to talk about is Septima P. Clark. Um, she was an educator. She's from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I grew up just knowing about September P. Clark because, one, if you live in Charleston, if you're around Charleston, you're going to hear September P. Clark's name everywhere because her name's everywhere, streets, schools, just everywhere. So she's an educator. Um, she also went to, she went, she graduated from the Avery Institute Normals, the Avery Institute Normal School. Um, once she graduated from there, uh, she went on to, well, she tried to teach in Charleston, where she was from. At that time, no African-American teach, no African-Americans were able to teach in Charleston at all. So what she had to do was actually go teach at one of the sea islands, that one of the largest sea islands, which is John's Island. It's not far away, but um, anyway, she um, she was able to... Uh, pro she protested and she won African American. She was a part of, like a, a huge part of winning African Americans the right to teach at at Charleston public schools. So when that happened, um, uh, a graduate of Avril the Avril Institute uh, Normal School in Charleston, um, his name is I don't know why I didn't notice. Okay, his his name was uh, Reverend Dart. Uh, they don't have his first name on here. Reverend Dart, uh, he gained funding for this school called Charleston Industrial School through local private through local private donors and northern philanthropists. Um, that school was in the mid. That was the only high school in Charleston, South Carolina, um, at that time to be where where teachers African American African American teachers could teach African American students, and there was no white teachers at all. So it was only African American teachers and only african-american students uh that school was changed i mean named burke high school which is my alma mater um and that was in 1919 
Um, so basically, they had they. Uh, let me see. Yeah, only black only black teachers could join the faculty of black public schools in Charleston until the city desegregated its public school system in the nineteen sixties. In nineteen twenty one, the school district changed the name to Burke High School, which was the school I went to. So. Um, Basically, it was just like they were teaching like the uh, normal schools was teaching people to be teachers. However, in some of these places, they didn't even allow black people to teach there anyway. So where whereas there were black students, I mean, there were black people who wanted to go to school. They didn't have any black teachers and also they couldn't teach anywhere else. So um, with with between uh, September P. Clark and this guy, Reverend Dart. Um, they were able to make that happen. And even now to this day, the school that I went to, the high school I went to, they don't, there wasn't many, there wasn't really any white, white teachers. And also there wasn't any, like, um, I didn't go to school with any, there was like no white kids. There, there's never been a white student. I don't know of any, um, ever. I'm sure they had some, but I don't know of any. So I just wanted to uh, add that since we were talking about. Uh, the normal schools and stuff like that. All right, that's all we got. See y'all later. Peace out. <laughs>